We all love a good love story, right? Yeah? We like a good love story. Thousands upon thousands of best made movies, of uh, poems that have been spoken out to loved one, of books that have been written have been on the topic of love. Songs flood our airways that are from old to new, but all on the same topic of love. It seems that we would have as a people a fascination with love, wanting to receive love, wanting to give love, wanting to know love. I don't know about you recently, but you look at some of these uh, reality TV shows and you, you kind of wonder if there's any good love stories left because they're looking for love in all the wrong sort of places. And I heard of this story. This is a story of Katie from Surrey in the UK. She said, I met my husband by the side of a road in South London in 2010 after a car smashed into me. I guess some people have got to do whatever they can. I had slowed down for a red light and hit by another car that sent my vehicle spinning into two others. When the first police officer arrived at the scene, I thought myself lucky. He's fit, was my first thought. After leaving the scene in an ambulance, I didn't see him again, but I thought I'd never see him again, but he actually walked into the hospital while I was being treated and started questioning me about the accident. He gave me a caution. A few days later, I received a letter with the insurance details on of all the other cars, and I noticed his email address at the bottom and pondered whether I should send him a message of thanks, maybe even ask him out for a drink. After a lot of thought and advice from family and friends, I went for it. Looking back, it was such a cheesy email. But after a painful week of no reply, he finally said yes the following Monday morning. We met a week later, and it was the best date ever. After a few dates, we officially became a couple. We're now married. We have a 16-month-old daughter. It made me realize that something wonderful really can, can come out of something so horrible. And everyone went... Those are the sort of love stories we like to hear, aren't they? Where something great comes out of something terrible. But the greatest love story ever could have been a disaster. But it wasn't. It too turned into something absolutely wonderful. And this is what we celebrate as Christians at Easter But many people don't recognize this love story. And if they do, many thinks it makes absolutely no sense at all. I heard a quote from Stephen Hawking, the world-famous scientist who just passed away a couple of weeks ago. And the quote said this, There are hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy and at least another hundred billion galaxies in our universe, I find it hard to believe it was created just for us. If there was a God, Hawkins said, I doubt he would be interested in such an insignificant planet and its people. But that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. What makes God's love so incredibly outrageous is that he would think something of us. Stephen Hawking, as bright as he might be, couldn't grasp this by faith. The maker of the universe, so in love with the world and his people that he created, that he would be prepared to go to extraordinary lengths, all for us. From a human perspective, 
God's love simply makes no sense. The Bible says, in fact, in 1 Corinthians, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who don't understand what God has done and is doing and his motivations for doing it. Good Friday for most people is foolish to believe that God would die for us and thereby be able to save us. Think about it. Jesus lived in absolute perfection. He was and is the epitome of unity and communion. His life embodied by love and joy and peace and he yet decides to radically alter everything. I mean, this was the reality of Jesus before beginning of creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in perfect unity with one another. Absolute communion. One mind, one passion, one goal. Their existence embodied by love and joy and peace. And then Jesus enters right into the mess of the world and undergoes a life marked with difficulty, pain that leads ultimately to a cruel death on a cross. Listen to how the Bible describes the the death of Jesus out of Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we might be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid him on him the sin of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as Jesus is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for their rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. Seems that the death of Jesus on the cross was a a divine experiment almost gone wrong. However, this becomes something that God in his goodness turns into something so wonderful on Easter Sunday morning. But otherwise, it would have been a horrific disaster. And even though we are here in part to reflect upon Jesus and what he did endure on that day, Jesus himself does not speak of the cross as a terrible disaster. He doesn't speak of himself as a victim of a tragic accident. Just before he's arrested, it tells us in John chapter 12 that Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's if to say this hour, the event that is about to take place will not only elicit praise and adoration, but more importantly, it will reveal the very essence of who Jesus is. And by that, it will reveal the very essence of who God is, a God 
of love. A loving God prepared to go to extraordinary and extreme lengths all for us. The writer of the book of Hebrews talks of why Jesus endured this painful experience of the cross. It says in Hebrews 12, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. See, what strikes me about Good Friday is that we have an incredible act of love through some of the most horrific acts of betrayal and torture and suffering to a guy who didn't deserve any of it. And it was all for us. What he did, what he endured was not for his own benefit, but for ours. I want you to understand the significance of this. It was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He was pierced for your and my rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole, whipped so that we would be healed. In essence, it was our shortcomings that put him on the cross. It was what we did that hung him up there. And yet he endured it all because of the joy of knowing that you would and could be his. And it's in this that we get the greatest glimpse of the most radical nature of God. His incredible love. To dwelling amongst us, he paid the ultimate price of love. He gave his life for ours. The Son of God killed on a cross and eyewitnesses to that crucifixion tell us that Jesus suffered a a cruel and ironic fate. The thorns in his forehead cut deep, but certainly not as deep as the nails that were driven and pierced through his hands and his feet. The crowds, they jeered him. We've just seen something recent of when crowds turn on people in our media. Can you imagine the actual day that Jesus walked through the streets of Jerusalem, carrying his cross up to that place of Golgotha where he was to be hung, and the crowds jeered and spat at him? The shame. Those who were closest deserted him. For the few who stayed to watch, there's uncertainty, there's confusion, there's fear, there's doubt. There's an inability to grasp what really is happening. And all of this was done for us. All of this he endured and he conquered because Jesus wanted you to be his. In spite of our sin, in spite of our flaws, in spite of our brokenness, Jesus looks at us and considers us worth the incredible sacrifice. Get your head around that. It's hard to believe, isn't it? My heart is so deeply proud and selfish, I moan sometimes when I have to do something for somebody else I don't think deserves it. This is why I can't quite understand that I would be worth the kind of sacrifice that God sees me, but he does and he thinks, John, you're worth everything that I have. And he sees you and he said, you're worth everything that I have. 
And this is also we could be his. Now, that's a love story. That's the greatest love story that's ever been written, that's ever been told, that's ever been sung about, that's ever been shown in a movie. That you would be his. A lot of people will do a lot of things to capture the love of their life. Jesus did it all for all so that you might have that option to become his. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save the world through him. And to all who would receive him, to all who would believe in his name, the name that is above every other name, this name of Jesus, he gave the right to become the children of God. The incredible reality is that God spared nothing to be able to enter back into a relationship. A relationship with you where sin had caused separation And it's at this point that many people think that this is utter foolishness. Why would God do that? It makes absolutely no sense that God would leave his throne. What other king leaves his throne? Such grace is hard for people to comprehend. However, it's also the greatest invitation that's ever been made. The exchange of what we deserve for what we don't. Death exchanged for life. This kind of love, this kind of invitation, it demands a response. It's like a proposal for a loved one. It has to be given a response. Could we just turn our attention to the events of that day, as we did earlier in our service? I'd like to read to you from the book of Luke. It says this, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came. They came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are, we're punished justly for we're getting what we, our deeds deserve. <coughs> but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him. Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, often on Good Friday, we rightfully focus on one cross, the cross that Jesus hung on. 
spilling his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. But that day there were three crosses. This is where this love story makes an invitation into our lives. It's in this account that we see in simple graphic and object lesson of the two human responses to Jesus' sacrifice for all of us along with the consequent outcomes of those responses. You see, there is that cross of Jesus. And upon that cross, there was the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one. He committed no sin. The Bible tells us he never sinned. He never spoke deceitfully. He knew no sin. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. He contained no sin. Jesus came to take away our sin and there is no sin in him, the Bible tells us. And yet he carried the sin of all humankind. And then there's the cross that held the unbelieving thief. And upon that second cross, according to Luke that we just read out, he knew he'd committed a sin. He knew that he contained sin. He carried sin. And unfortunately, it stayed with him because he rejected the suffering and death of Christ on his behalf. And yet on that other cross, there was a believing thief, another criminal. And according to the passage we just read, he committed sin. He knew sin. He contained sin. But he also now carried no sin. For he accepted the suffering of Christ's death for him and called out for salvation and was relieved of the penalty of his sin by God's mercy. And God's grace received him the certain promise of eternal life. You see, the way each criminal related to Jesus made all the difference to their state with God. That was done all for us. Because Jesus' heart was focused on the joy of knowing that we would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. Love wins out. But what would your response be? Which criminal best describes you? See, we're just like them, really. We've contained sin. We've known sin. We have sinned. The only difference between the two of them is one called out on the name of Jesus. One needn't carry his sin to the grave and instead call on the name of Jesus to carry his sin for him. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standards. We're all worthy of a separation from God forever. Our works are never sufficient for salvation. Our only hope is in the name of Jesus. And all who believe in Jesus' suffering and death on their behalf have their sins taken away by Jesus. He personally carries our sin in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. This is why Good Friday for all who believe and receive Jesus' invitation is an amazing love story. Because Jesus' heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. 
He endured the agony of the cross and all its humiliation. And today you have a choice. You have a choice. Will you receive him? Will you let him take your place? Will you allow what he's already done to be real into your life today? And if you haven't yet believed in him and received from him through his suffering and death the forgiveness of your sin and been given eternal life and abundant life, you can do that by praying a very simple prayer. Let me read it to you. And then I would like to offer you the opportunity, if that's you today, to be able to say this prayer to Jesus. It says, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for suffering and dying on that cruel cross for me and my sin when I only deserved eternal separation from you. Thank you, Jesus, that your heart was focused on the joy of knowing that I could be yours. I open the door of my heart and believe in your sacrifice and receive you as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for forgiving me my sins and giving me eternal and abundant life. From this moment on, I give you authority to take control in my life and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? If that prayer is the prayer that is beating inside of your heart this morning, because you want to respond to the love that is all for you, why don't you pray that prayer with me now? Would you bow your heads? And you can just mouth these words as I say them. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for suffering and dying on that cruel cross for me and my sins when I only deserved eternal separation from you. Thank you, Jesus, that your heart was focused on the joy of knowing that I could be yours. I open the door of my heart and I believe in your sacrifice and receive you as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal and abundant life. From this moment on, I give you the authority to take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be by filling me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.